Do, Re, Egon. We're talking Ghostbusters 2. Hit it. It was 1989. Leather blazers were in. A 4,400-year-old mummy was found in the Great Pyramid of Giza. Harry met Sally, and the boys got back together to stop an evil wizard trapped in a painting from taking over the world. I'm your host, Jerry D., with another episode of Totally Rad Christmas, the podcast that talks all things Christmas in the 80s, toys, movies, specials, music, and fads. If it was gnarly during Christmas in the 80s, we got it covered. Now, joining me are not one, but two Totally Rad Christmas All-Stars. You'll know them as the hosts of the Way Awesome Christmas Time in the City podcast, Chris and Chris. Guys, how's it going? Hey there. How's Hi. it going? <laughs> <laughs> Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Sure, anytime. You guys are always welcome here. Um, and thanks for coming. But um, like, how's your guys' uh, day been going so far? Oh, it's been pretty good. Yeah. Every day feels the same to me. It's the same. It's very much like Groundhog Day, which is funny that we're talking about Groundhog Day. But it's, 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 it's very similar. Like, like we get up in the morning with the baby and deal with that. And so she has a job. So like her her yeah. weeks are a little bit more different. But my days are very similar. Yeah, I have like a Monday through Friday. So weekends mean a little bit more to me than they do to him at this yeah. point. Yeah, I guess I'm around more. She's around in the in the, like, the afternoon to, to take over for a little bit. So that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that uh, was when this first started happening, you know, my, uh, I was off my company just, it was right around that time that we closed shop anyway, for about six weeks just to take vacation. And uh, Mm -hmm. it's just one of those things where I was watching the little ones while my wife was teaching and my daughter, you know, the oldest was in school. So it's pretty much same thing. Yeah, get up, play with them for a bit, maybe let them watch a little TV, then try to try my best to do some <laughs> teaching and it went always miserably. And then uh, <laughs> I'm used yeah. to high school. I can't do, I can't do the the younger ones. And uh, yeah, then finally when three, you know, three thirty or four, whatever it was rolled around, I was like, no, no, take them go. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've done your, your due diligence there. <laughs> that, that, that's right. I paid my dues. Yes. I'll bathe them tonight. Just take them for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when we first talked about, you know, doing a collaboration. One of the things we brought up was, and actually you guys suggested it was uh, Ghostbusters 2 because it's, it's Christmassy, but it's also, uh, you know, kind of New Year's-y and it's just, it's pretty rad in general. And I, my first thought was, yeah, let's do it. I love this movie. I know it gets a lot of hate, you know, because it's, it wasn't as good as the first one, but I loved it. So what was it about uh, Ghostbusters 2 that really kind of made you want to do it? Sure. I, mean, um, you, I think you said a lot of it already. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. No, I think it's uh, <laughs> great. No, there's. Uh, I think one of the one of the things that I had seen just from like my general searching on the internet for like Christmas content and stuff was a picture of the Ghostbusters with Santa hats on. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and I was like, I and mean, that was enough to kind of go down the rabbit hole. I'm like, all right, let's see what how far this goes and if this means anything. And it ended up meaning a lot. There's actually a lot of Christmas in, in uh, Ghostbusters too. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I started to count some of the things in each of the scenes, and I stopped maybe like 10 minutes in, because I was like, well, every scene has something Christmas in it. <laughs> yeah, I think they were really <laughs> trying to push it in there, so I don't think there's a lot of argument to be had there. Which is funny, because it came out in June, and mm-hmm. you know, it's it's one of those just odd, you know, let's set it at Christmas kind of movies, and but like I think it would have been a lot more successful if they were had released it like in December, you know? Right. Probably. That's a good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which but now it's big. enjoyed year round <laughs> and everyone loves it. So <laughs> it's yeah, you're right about that. This is one of those that, and I get it. It's not as good as the first one, but in some ways I kind of like it better than the first one, which is a, I know a very unpopular opinion because the first one is like classic <laughs> and I know it's, it's, you know, it's held in such high regard, but there's a lot here that, that I really dig, especially like you said, the Christmas kind of stuff. And I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of it, honestly, you know? Yeah. Like just 
trees and yeah i think so too maybe some more carols in there somewhere things like yeah that. something yeah like that. i can see that mm-hmm. yeah but i remember um seeing this one in the theater and it was so we had a choice because batman came out that year as well so my dad wanted us to go see you know like he let us pick what do you want to see so my youngest brother and myself and my dad went to go see batman and my mom and my the middle brother went to go see this one ghostbusters 2 and then a couple of weeks later it was time to go to the movies again and so then you know it was like okay which one are you gonna see and i still wanted to see batman again <laughs> so this time my middle brother joined us and we watched batman and then a couple of weeks later we finally saw ghostbusters 2 <laughs> you know ghostbusters i remember seeing ghostbusters 2 the first one i actually did see in the theater as well and it was a double feature with ghostbusters and gremlins and i remember i saw you know i went in ghostbusters i was excited i was only four years old and then the library scene happened right at the beginning and i was scared out of my mind and somewhere along there i fell asleep and woke up at the end when they're all covered in the marshmallow (laughs) (laughs) i remember that uh, and so, uh, cause you know, I was four and it's a double feature, but then I woke up and I saw gremlins. And of course I was also scared out of my mind because Stripe is a, is a, you know, sociopathic demon mm-hmm. creature. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then he melts to death at the end. So that really, you know, that Amazing. really got me, but, um, you know, both Ghostbusters, they kind of hold a, a big place in my heart because I remember loving it so much. And I wanted to, I wanted to be a Ghostbusters. I wanted the proton pack. I wanted the toys and I had a few of the toys, but, um, you know, they, they kind of were more popular after the second one came out. I don't know if you remember, Chris. I do remember. I remember all about the toys. No, no, yeah. I, I had quite a few of them. Like a lot of them were less like, He's like create like the, the mouths would just like drop out of like their entire torso and yeah. you would, or you would pull like their head and like their like their teeth would be like three <laughs> like three inches long. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> they were cool though. I really liked it. Um, I, of yeah, course, I absolutely liked all of them. Of course, they were based off of the um, off of the cartoon, the real Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, I could picture the cartoon and the. Mm-hmm. So- I think there was the, a vehicle of some sort. With, I feel like I, I remember some the, sort of... The real like, Ghostbusters had a normal vehicle. A... There's there's a whole other Ghostbusters cartoon that came up, which is probably a whole other worth of uh, yeah, information true. on a podcast, honestly. <laughs> For real, yeah. The filmation <laughs> but, uh, Ghostbusters, yeah. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. the, with, the, with the gorilla and such. <laughs> yes, yeah. And that one was actually close closer to that uh, original sketch that came out uh, like in the, in the late 70s, I believe. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of what sparked... Um, what sparked you know, Dan Aykroyd's interest in it, as far as I can tell. Of course, he's always been interested in the occult and all that stuff. But it was from that he saw the Ghostbusters. and He was like, hmm, Ghostbusters. And of course, they almost didn't get the name. And they were going to have to change the name. And it was, I think it was Ghost Beaters or something like that was what it was going to be. And so they would film or they were supposed to film two different versions of it. And so they did it a few times and then they're like, forget it. We're just going to film with Ghostbusters and hopefully they'll finally like, let us use the rights to the name. And eventually they did. And so, you know, history was made, but then the filmation wanted to capitalize on that. And so they released their cartoon. Mm. And unfortunately, um, you know, they didn't, the other guys didn't like it. So they released the real Ghostbusters. And then that cartoon was pretty rad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That one I remember. <laughs> in fact, I remember having I remember having the gorilla as well. Did you have the gorilla for real? I did. I, yeah, I, I, it's it's funny because like you see all those like like uh, fun like, nostalgic pictures on like Facebook, and it's some some of the the figures I only remember where they came from, but I'll see them in like lineups of like mask or whatever, or, like the centurions. Like, oh, I totally had that one right there. It's crazy. Uh, I love the centurions. <laughs> or, or, or like these like random like accessories that they had. It's, like, <laughs> I had this thing like floating around that like I think at one point GI Joe used. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 so funny how it works like that. Yeah, you're right because you know, and then you'd mix and match your toys. You'd start playing with whatever. So it was like super crossover kind of thing, but the cartoon itself actually had a Christmas special and it was like a, a Christmas carol. And uh, they accidentally bust like the ghosts of Christmas past, present and future. <laughs> and so then they have to like go into the, the containment unit. They have to go into the containment unit, find the ghosts and rescue them. I mean, it's like a whole thing. And that's really it's a good fun. episode. I want to watch it. It's a pretty good episode. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's definitely of its time, but you know, right. it's still pretty good. <laughs> good tidbit. I'm oh, man. Watch that this year. <laughs> yeah but i guess we can get into it um 
So this movie came out in 1989 in June. And I remember mostly because, you know, I was always big into movie scores and things like that. It was, the music was done by Randy Edelman instead of Elmer Bernstein. Mm-hmm. And you can really tell the difference between the musical styles. So like in the first movie, Elmer Bernstein, he's got this loud, boisterous kind of, you know, uh, real tuba heavy, almost like a slow polka kind of thing. Boom, 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 you know, and you just hear that tuba, boom, boom. Well, yeah. <laughs> and sorry, excuse me for all the, the bad two impressions. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but then Elmer Bernstein, or excuse me, uh, Randy Edelman comes along and he takes the theme and he tries to make it work, but he just doesn't have the same kind of orchestrations or magic that Elmer Bernstein uses. And um, Randy Edelman, I know more as like the kind of composer that, because uh, he did Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. Do you remember that one? Absolutely. 100% I remember the dragon. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. I, I knew I liked you. I knew you, I knew you were my guy here. Yeah. That was like one of my favorites, uh, which so I, good. I remember so seeing that good. one in the theater too. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was at a little place called cinema twin. But anyway, we, um, you know, I remember seeing it and he did, he did that style. And so I always think of him more as like a sweeping kind of dramatic composer. So when he did this one, it just didn't quite work for me as well. Hmm. But you know, I really the, liked the soundtrack of it, so I hate to be the opposite of that. No, no, <laughs> that's okay. It was so much fun. Well, like the, like the, the, the soundtrack's really fun. The, the score soundtrack. is a little bit more different. The score is yeah, different. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. I think yeah. it kind of matches the, I don't know, it sounded like they were trying to just go for more like hip hop type of style, I guess. Through, yeah, like, there, was a, there was a you lot know? more soundtrack to it, right? A lot more yeah. um, songs there, which I liked. I like Bobby Brown's song, honestly. Uh, yeah. It was, it's really good. We used to, of course, have the, you know, the tapes and make our own little mixtapes. And so that one was usually on it at some point. Yeah, I had too many really awkward uh, baton dances to all the Ghostbusters songs <laughs> as a kid. There are definitely videos of out there of me doing that. <laughs> have you seen them, Chris? No, I haven't. No. I didn't realize oh, that they had existed. He's, he's going to now. <laughs> we, we, we can just get a baton and have you do it. Nope. It's, a, it's out there for the world. I'm sure you still have it. It's like riding a bike, right? That's what they say about Probably, baton Probably, yeah. That's that's what that's what I've heard about baton twirling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a thousand <laughs> times I've heard that. <laughs> so this movie set nine years, excuse me, five years after the first one, nineteen eighty nine. They're pretty much at this point, the Ghostbusters have been sued and blamed for like all the damage caused by the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. Although you know, I, I have to be honest, I kind of wonder what happened to Gregory Peck or Gregory Peck. Why did I why did I say Gregory Peck? The um, the what guy from the EPA. Name? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Peck. Walter Peck. Walter yeah. Peck, yeah. Gregory Peck, yeah. That's I almost right. called him something. <laughs> Whatever happened to Gregory Peck? <laughs> we're, we're not talking about the omen here. Uh, no, no. Uh, yeah. Um, I kind of wonder what happened to Walter Peck in the EPA. Like, I imagine him mm. deriving, like, so much pleasure, you know, seeing Venkman and the guys, like, squirm and being prosecuted, right. you know? Because he's just that jerk. <laughs> Yeah, this is exactly what he wanted. He wanted them to be like disbanded, not working. You know, he kind of got what he wanted out of it, which is a bit of a bummer. <laughs> yeah. So, so Venkman had his TV show, World of the Psychics, or oh yeah, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, I mean, it's that's so Venkman. And then of course, <laughs> Egon's doing like research on paranormal. Ray mm-hmm. has his own like occult bookshop, and I don't, they don't really say what Winston does except go to parties the, with the parties <laughs> he's just doing the, he's doing the, the birthday parties full time. listen he's living it up what else is he gonna do he was looking for a job before you know yeah. like yeah see that's where it's kind of a bummer to me because i really enjoyed you know winston's character and i kind of wish yeah. that he had gotten more play because i know in the original scripts he he had a lot more to do and then they kind of took some of his parts and gave it to venkman mm. you know to bill murray and so i think it would have been neater if he had been like an actual scientist with them I, yeah. I feel like even if he wasn't a scientist, that they utilize his perspective more. Like there's certain scenes where you, where he kind of is, is relating to people outside of their bubble. And that he's like, this is happening. And I, I, I wouldn't have believed it, this and that. Like, I feel like that's really cool. kind of like the every man's like perspective. Yeah. It's, it's a fun way to look at that. Yeah. I feel like they could have used that way more. Yeah. I think so too. It only came out. I feel like I only saw it maybe one time in the film. Yeah. It wasn't, yeah. It didn't come out yeah, as much as it should have. I don't think either. Yeah. And you're right. I think even that just would have been something. I th- I just wanted more of Ernie Hudson. I thought he was so great, you know, and I mean, yeah. he's a good actor. And Yeah, the character wasn't developed as much, I think, as the other characters were. For sure. No, for sure. It really mm-hmm. wasn't. I mean, he had very few lines. In fact, I think he was in most of the, he was in like 40 pages, like of the original script. And then it kind of mm-hmm. dwindled down to like very few 
pages and he hardly had any lines after that. And I mean, it's just a shame, but on the other hand, uh, he does provide some great comedy moments, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, like in the first one, one of my favorite bits is a tell him about the Twinkie. (laughs) 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 What about the Twinkie? I mean, it's just, you know, he's got a lot of those lines, uh, that, that I really like, but this one's kind of cool. This one, I really, I remember, when I was at the theater, I remember really liking it because at this point I was older, so it didn't scare me as much. And even then there really wasn't as much, I think, to to frighten. Like I think the first one had a little more of the oomph of it than this one did, you know? I feel like I've watched them both so close at this point. There was definitely a moment where, oh, it was the skeleton in the in the cab. Mm. And I was like, that's pretty scary. <laughs> yeah i was like man that's pretty terrifying but that might have been one of the only moments where i thought it could have been scary there's a lot of things that were just like like, i remember the the ooze not jumping ahead too much the ooze in the bathtub was like oh that's incredibly terrifying terrifying. (laughs) it's terrifying on a different level now that we have a kid too so like when we were younger it felt like it was gonna grab me Well, I mean, but like, because we thought it was going to grab us. And now at this point, we think it's going to grab our child. So either way, it's terrifying. Well, now I know it's not going to happen. <laughs> I <but>. guess. <laughs> you know That's the difference. I don't know. All the bad vibes might be turning into a sludge underneath. The there you earth. go. Nothing is guaranteed in this day and age. <laughs> I'm not saying it's impossible. <laughs> well, you know what? Like Buddy the Elf says, you know, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. So I think yes. if we can just get everybody to sing, I think all of a sudden all that stuff would just kind of go away. But yeah, yeah. Always, and see, that's another reason it makes it a Christmas movie because that's exactly what happens. People sing, it comes together, and everything's happy and positive. <laughs> Christmas movie. Yeah, I would, I would even say like there is, there is some movies that people assume are Christmas movies. I don't necess- I don't know if we need to get into those conversations, but this one seems like more of a Christmas movie than say like Die Hard. Right. It has the the, the me, arc that too. you're looking for in a Christmas movie. Which is movie. crazy that I never even thought about it until like we watched it just recently. I'm like, wow, there's a lot of Christmas trees and it all kind of takes place like through like from Thanksgiving to New Year's Eve sort mm-hmm. of. Like obviously mm-hmm. they don't talk about Christmas too much, but it's it's way more present there than I thought it was. Right. I think the actual just arc of the movie is very Christmassy to me, you know, of just mm-hmm. even where the conflict is. And then the resolution is about being positive and happy and, and bringing everybody together, which is always kind of the conclusion in a lot of Christmas movies, you know, just yeah. bringing that positivity, bringing that cheer. And so I don't know. Well, and, and you know, Christmas no one gets their neck snapped or, uh, you, there you, go. <laughs> you know, or shot a million times. Right. <laughs> Dropped out of a building. So that kind of makes it a little more of a Christmas movie, I think. Yeah, it's a little softer, <laughs> softer around the edges there. Yeah. But yeah, my, my favorite bit in the whole thing is when uh, they're, you know, Winston and Ray, they go to a children's party and, you know, they're, you know, the, the mom's like, you know, oh, you know, she, she makes it sound, she gives a setup about, it and she makes it sound like it's ghosts, but it's really these little monsters and things she's talking about is really just the children at this party. And so then they turn on the music and they start dancing and, you know, something strange <laughs> in the neighborhood, you know, who are you going to call? And then right away, the kids just start shouting, he man, <laughs> which I thought was awesome. But even, even I, as a nine-year-old, you know, knew that He-Man wasn't a thing anymore in 1989. It had pretty mm. much, it had pretty much died down by that point. And uh, right, so I was like, why would they be saying He-Man? Like I didn't get it, but <laughs> you know, pre-production. Oh well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't make the right call there. <laughs> no, no, but but it worked. It was funny. But I loved like that shrug. They just kind of give each other and. <laughs> No, they're gonna <laughs> make like, the yeah. money either way probably yeah, exactly it's a check let's get out of here <laughs> and of course peter venkman is there um as the host of world of the psychics kind mm-hmm. of a show and they're talking about when the world is going to end and the one guy is his male guest who's actually i think it's played by kevin dunn actually turns out to be you know, or at least he he kind of has some psychic abilities because he almost correctly predicts what's going to happen of course the other lady is just out there <laughs> she, yeah that was pretty bad i mean she 100 percent would just like had an affair right yeah pretty <laughs> and then much she tried yeah. to blame it on a ghost yeah <laughs> I think and she, someone telling her the end of the world like mm, i think you just went to somebody's hotel room <laughs> it's not good it might have been 
a, a room in the spaceship made up to look like the room of a holiday right. inn. <laughs> a holiday inn alien. <laughs> I love I love the way she like her line is she's like so just serious and mm-hmm. <laughs> man, it's, it's it's crazy. But yeah. anyway, so he's doing his thing and meanwhile Peter's ex-girlfriend Dana, you know, the gatekeeper. <laughs> she uh at this point, she's left him. She's had a baby. She's, you know, got married and mm-hmm. divorced. And she is experiencing uh, something kind of crazy. So she's, you know, with the stroller when it just, there's like this crazy ooze that kind of comes up and all of a sudden touches a stroller and then the stroller's kind of possessed and takes off down the street and she's able to save the baby before any anything bad can happen, which now that is definitely a fear of mine. The mm. uh, the stroller going down the street. I don't know about the, you know, the the bathtub eating the baby, but for sure the right, right, <laughs> for sure the stroller one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty terrifying. And I mean, it it, it got through a lot of traffic. It did. <laughs> that was pretty nuts. It was. <laughs> oh man, yeah, and um, so she goes to Egon, you know, to get it investigated because you know she his experience with the paranormal and. She doesn't want, you know, Venkman, Bill Murray's character to find out, but Ray kind of lets it slip and then he kind of tortures him until he does actually reveal what's going on. And so now they're all going to be investigating what's going on with the baby. Baby's name is Oscar, by the way. Mm. I thought was a a cute little name there. It's super cute. (laughs) Played by twins Mm -hmm. uh, who, as if I read that correctly, are actually sons of of John Denver's brother. So they're like John Denver's nephews. Is that right? Yeah, they're his nephews. Mm-hmm. I got caught down a rabbit hole of just sadness earlier reading about uh, one of them is no longer with us. So that was yeah. a pretty sad thing. I was just get, got down this rabbit hole. I was like, oh my gosh, why did I read through all this? It was oh, so yeah. sad. Um, but yes, they were uh, his nephews. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. And uh, which, I mean, that's crazy. But now she's not a musician anymore. She's actually just restoring oil paintings at a museum. And of course you guys can tell me later on because this, by the way, listeners, this is just um, one half of a, I don't know if this is the first half or the second half, but this is definitely one half (laughs) of a, of a combo show here. We're doing Mm -hmm. the crossover and it's really cool. I guess it all depends on which one they listen to first. And then they'll find out. (laughs) That's true. That's true. We'll just, just flip a coin and uh, either way, you're going to have a good time. I think. There you go. So she's working in a museum. Check out uh, Christmas time in the city podcast to find out which one and where it's at. And, uh, but while she's there, they bring in this huge painting of a man named Vigo, the Carpathian, which I thought was kind of cool. And it turns out that his, uh, let's see, where is it here? Uh, Well, he was, uh, he was played by, Willem von Holmberg. Yes. And yeah, and voiced by uh, Max von Sydow. Was he really voiced by Max von Sydow? Yes. That is awesome. He he did all the recording on a single day. And uh, Willem von Holmberg didn't have any idea that he was being dubbed over until (gasps) the premiere and walked out of the premiere. Oh, no. Well, yeah, I'd be upset too. Yeah. That's (laughs) crazy. Yeah, you think they would tell him, you know? Yeah, that's kind of messed up. Yeah. Well, the uh, so Vigo's full name is Vigo von Homburg Deutschendorf. So they took his mm. the, the actor's real last name plus the baby's yeah. last name. So I thought that was kind of cool. Name. I definitely didn't have that written down. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I didn't even realize. I and I think I should have known, but I didn't even know that it was Max von Sydow. So it was shame on go. me. Yeah. So they bring in this painting. Turns out that he's actually somehow this guy was like a crazy magician, and he transferred his essence into the painting before his head died. <laughs> Which is, that's another one of my favorite lines of the whole movie there. <laughs> yeah. So he, while he's there and he's, you know, of course it's late at night and the museum, I guess the, the curator or the guy in charge of that, you know, the staff of the restoration department, uh, Janos, he's actually um, possessed and kind of given powers by Vigo, I, I guess. And, you know, Vigo can communicate with him now. And so, you know, he's like, I need a child so that, you know, on New Year's Eve, I can be, my spirit can be transferred into him and I can rule the world again and all that kind of a thing. Your typical uh, museum painting story. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It's like a Hallmark movie, you know, you hear hear them all. Yeah. (laughs) 
that picture still terrifies me. And uh, yeah, should tidbit, we should we here, talk about it? We, probably. We have a we have that picture hanging up in our child's bedroom right now. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> this was an argument You're way so- before he even came into the world. Yeah. And Chris basically got to the point where he was like, what if I put it on the inside of the closet? And I said, okay, that's the only place it's allowed to be in there. Cause that's terrifying. <laughs> Don't put that near our kid. Okay, oh I my have gosh. to know your son's name is not Oscar, right? No, it's, it's, not. Okay. it's, it's pretty close. close. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> now I'm terrified for the end of the world. I mean, it's 2020. So who knows, you know, <laughs> we might've caused it. <laughs> Being parents of the ruler of the world has their perks, right? Isn't that what he said? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Oh, Jeez. <laughs> parking spaces yeah <laughs> very nice apartment <laughs> but yeah because uh janos kind of has a thing for dana he uh, you know sigourney weaver he kind of chooses her baby son to be the uh, the vessel for the uh, the ruler of the world you know that kind of thing mm-hmm. and so the the ghostbusters are kind of examining the intersection and they realize they they kind of they have to dig and you know figure out what's going on so they start drilling and because they you know the pke meter which i always wanted a pke meter did you have the toy of that one i didn't have the pke meter i didn't have i don't think i had any of like the full size yeah device toys i like to i I actually saw um some some of them on like some really good like prop replicas on a website somewhere recently and i was like i should probably think about these that's like a hundred (laughs) bucks I could probably, I, yeah, a proton pack or something. I can probably add that to the collection. Uh, let's let's hold that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I always wanted one too, and I never got one. I just had the little toys. So whenever I saw it again, I was like, "Oh, that's awesome! I want one." And of course, he picks up the the readings, and so they have to dig. And I guess while they're digging, they cause like a citywide blackout, and so because of that, they're arrested and tried. And their their lawyer this time is former accountant Lewis Tully. I love it so much. <laughs> Played this by Rick Moranis. Favorite scenes. Yeah. <laughs> I think he, he kind of steals the whole movie. He, he really it. does. I, I love him so does. much. I, I love Rick Moranis. I, mean, I loved him. <laughs> Honey, I Shrunk the Kids came out that year too. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was busy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he course. was huge back then. You know, like I don't know. That was one of my favorite scenes. This whole thing. His whole. Uh, speech before the before the trial oh, about about the dog because <laughs> one time Everything. I turned into a dog and these guys helped me <laughs> <laughs> or how he had to make an elevator <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah I was trapped in the elevator all night I had to oh, make real that- bad <laughs> That's one of the best. I just could not stop laughing. We watched it. I was like, he's like, definitely my favorite character. What's so funny, because doesn't he even say something like, uh, well, you know, I, I mostly do like probate law and tax, you know, tax laws kind of stuff. I mean, yeah. I, got my, I got my law degree at night school. Yeah. And then what was it? Egon said. Um, they got well, arrested at they night. They got arrested at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that scene is really great. It's such like a, you know, small little back and forth, but it's the comedy in it is just perfect. Well, I mean, everybody's so like in that whole scene, everybody is just so like aggressive, you know, it's like, I, you know, I worked for the city for however many years and, you know, whatever's down there, they put it there, you know, and of course, yeah, all up in arms. And so the judge who's known as like a hanging judge, essentially, he's like really giving them no quarter. And as they, as they get angrier, the ooze that they had collected, it starts to bubble up and expand and grow and it releases, and I actually have the names, which I thought was really, really cool because they're they're not officially named. They're just called the Scaleri brothers, the ghosts, but they do have official names. It's Nuncio Scaleri and Tony Scaleri. Tony's the skinny one and Nuncio's the fat one. Nice. Yeah. So I guess <laughs> he gave them the chair like however many years ago. And so they're like terrorizing. And of course... He didn't believe in ghosts. And so he's like, you guys got to do something. And <laughs> one of the Ghostbusters has a great line about, you know, why don't you just tell them you don't believe in ghosts? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So finally, uh, and again, there's another another very great quote from from Tully, you know, um, when he's like, my guys are still under the, the judicial misstrangement order. <laughs> <laughs> That blue thing I got from her. 
<laughs> yeah, she's talking about the district attorney. And <laughs> so, he's so good. So he's like, uh, you know, finally he, the judge concedes and he's like, all right, all right, all right. So then they strap it on and we get that do re egon thing that I used in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And uh, they bust the ghosts and they're they're back in business. And then it's all from there. It's it's just go time. Great montages. And of course, this whole time, Peter's trying to woo Dana. But I really liked it because in the first one, I remember so much when, you know, he's trying to woo her. And I don't know, he seemed more aloof and, and quirky than he did in this one. This one was more like like even though he was still himself, he was just a little more suave. And I don't know if it's because he had spent years with her already at this point Mm -hmm. and realized his mistake or, or what, but there was something about the, their courtships that were, it was different. um, I I, I thought it was a good compliment to the first one. You know, in that first one, he's um, when he first goes into her apartment and she's, you know, she's like, that's the bedroom and nothing happened in there. And he says, what a shame. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, definitely they have a, a more intimate relationship at this point. And even just the way he interacts with Oscar is just, it was really sweet. You know, you, so you see the other like side of him of just like the sweetness. I don't know. Yeah, it was, you can definitely see the difference. But I think, you know, what you said, years of their relationship, that makes sense. You know, you know, yeah. for a little bit longer. I kind of want to know how long they were together, you know? Mm. like Yeah, that's true. Hmm. Well, I mean, Oscar... I don't remember how, how how old he was, but he wasn't more than a year. He couldn't no, be more than a year. So, I, don't I mean, know. I feel like six months, probably something like that. I'm sure they mentioned that, but I only know that really makes much of a difference. Mm-hmm. No, so, I mean they could have been. I, it it, it couldn't have been for a long time. He, he doesn't seem like a a long term commitment sort of a guy. Right? No, he really doesn't. Well, I mean, he even calls her the old ball and chain, right? Yeah. And, and it's funny because like his face, like he instantly realized like, oh yeah, and that was not a good idea to call him. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just one of those, uh, you know, and it's not like in the first movie, they even really have a lot of like dating time, you know, that's more of like a, like a sub sub plot, you know, he kind of likes her. And then later on he shows up to, you know, after her rehearsal and, and then really just that one date where she's already at that time possessed. And so it's just, you know, it's just, right. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more in the first one, I think, uh, because the, I liked what I saw in the second one with them. Although I know a lot of critics didn't, they actually thought that uh, they were more like rivals than, <laughs> than, you know, lovers. So I don't know, mm-hmm. but. No, I, li- I liked the way they were in this one as well. I agree with you. So now they're back in business. They open it. They have the the logo with the ghost and the two coming out of it. And, uh, you know, we get the the obligatory montage scene, uh, which is really cool. I like it. It was always one of my favorites. Yeah, this is a really good one. This is where the soundtrack got me, where I started looking up the Run DMC song. And then we found the Run DMC video. And I didn't have any idea that Run DNC had made a music video to go along with the song. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that either. It. It's, oh, it's so good. You got to see it. Is it really? Oh, I'm going to look it up as soon as it's we're pretty done. Pretty good. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was looking because I was like, this song is great. And then I, you know, two clicks and there it was on YouTube. And I was like, well, I got to put this on. So we watched it and it was, uh, it, it brings in clips from the movie and, you know, it just goes right alongside. With nice. It's so it pretty good. It, it seems like it, like, like, they, like they were trying to get away from like the Ray Parker Jr. thing and like, well, we're yeah. going to not put all of our eggs in one basket. So we're going to have Bobby Brown doing a song and then we'll have Run DMC right. doing a song as well. And so if either, if either one of them had plagiarized it, they could just kind of make the other one the big, the big song. True. Well, yeah, especially <laughs> because, uh, you know, the whole Ray Parker Jr. thing where he was um, accused. I mean, there was some legal action taken because it sounded too much like I want a new drug. Um, by Huey Lewis in the news. Mm-hmm. I th- of course, I think it was all settled out of court, but uh, you know, yeah, I don't blame them for trying to stretch it a little bit more and spread the love. Of course, the, other, the, the Bobby the Brown other, was a more important one. I think the other half of the, um, I thought obviously we did way more um, research for this movie than we probably needed to, but the, the, <laughs> the other, the other half of the Ray Parker Jr. And uh, Huey Lewis lawsuit was they couldn't talk about it. And a bunch of years later, Huey Lewis mentioned somewhere in an interview how much Ray Parker had had to pay, which was a breach of like the lawsuit or whatever. So then Ray Parker Jr. Uh, sued Counter-suit. Huey Lewis. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
Oops. Yeah. <laughs> so moral of the story, kids, watch what you say. <laughs> right. You'll both end up paying. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> so this is where we get the, uh, the bathtub scene. Uh, somehow the slime goes through the drains and it animates Dana scene. Now this is the part that scared me. It wasn't so much the bathtub coming alive. It's like when it first starts coming out and it looks like that goopy gloppy grossness, Mm -hmm. like that's the part that always scared me. So every time I turn on the water, you know, to take a bath uh, or shower at the time, but nine. Yeah. I think I was already taking showers. And so um, either way I would turn it on and I was always afraid of like that gross goop just coming down Mm -hmm. because I was like, how am I going to (laughs) bathe? <laughs> well, that's what you're scared about. Who cares about the monsters coming through? Yeah, you know. But how will I take a bath in this goo? <laughs> like it was a tough day of recess, you know. I <laughs> yeah, it's so much dirt under my nails. Like there I you go. Out. Yeah. <laughs> I never realized until we had a kid how much dirt kids get underneath their nails. <laughs> and For our real. kid doesn't even like go outside really. But he every like two or three days it's just like yep. it's it's like he's a mechanic or something. <laughs> yeah, and it's hard to get it out. Because <laughs> yeah. so, they're he's so tiny. So she goes to stay with uh with Peter and uh the other guys are going to investigate. And so of course they decide they're gonna go um you know they're gonna go on no, I think this is when they go to the museum first, right? So she tells them about the painting, and so they go to investigate this painting. Yeah, and all so four they go of them to, do. Yeah, they go to the museum. Dana's not there. She's like taking a, you know, I guess she's taking the day off or something. She's at Peter's place, and so they're at the museum and they investigate. And Ray kind of has a weird thing with the painting. Yeah, kind of like hypnotized. Yeah, which mm-hmm. isn't really explained. I guess he just kind of looks at the painting in the the wrong way and Vigo like like zaps right. him like Jedi mind tricks him or something it kind so, of foreshadows the end a little bit you know just right. like he kind of they have some sort of connection at this point we're actually going to talk all about this in our podcast so stick mm-hmm. so find us afterwards here <laughs> more about Ray getting getting possessed by Vigo yep I just wanted to quickly mention it to seg into that <laughs> uh yeah so of course, they kind of have a little confrontation with Janusz. They realize the painting is off the charts on the PKE meter. They hightail it out there. But at this point, they decide they really need to go investigate the slime kind of thing because they've run in tests on it and it, they figure it runs off of motion and like the negative vibes makes it bubble and churn and do nasty stuff. But the good vibes make it dance or I guess, you know, it just it kind of does fun stuff and just animates it. So they're going to explore. Peter and Dana decide they're going to go ahead and try to rekindle their romance because at this point, Peter's been a little more mature and, you know, he's invited her into his home. He's uh, trying to make up for, you know, he realizes his, like you said, he realized his mistake. And so they're going to go out to dinner. <laughs> but again, we get one of the, one of the best lines of this whole thing where, you know, they're the guys, they're all covered in like their, their raincoats and wetsuits and, and, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Their galoshes and Peter, of course, and, and Dana are there. They're about to go out. They're all dressed up nice and he's like you know uh that the you know the guys are going to go look underground to look for some slime and uh you know egon thinks there may be a huge surge in cockroach population you want to blow this dinner thing off and go with them <laughs> that's like one of my favorites it's so good <laughs> she just laughs like hi boys and then just taxi yeah, all, the guys, all, all the guys are like nice he's not going he's, he's yeah, going on yeah. and he just kind of shrugs like women what are you gonna do yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man it's classic and so that's when they have their heart to heart but meanwhile the guys go underground and you know we're gonna find out all about this from your podcast there and so you know they're gonna they're gonna do their thing they're investigating and they accidentally fall into the slime because it kind of drags them in through the rope that they they've been trying to figure out how deep it was and things like that and so it pulls them in and afterwards they realize that when they come up from the manhole, it's like right in front of the museum. But at the same time, they're also like fighting and just arguing with each other. And they're literally about to come to blows when Egon realizes, no, it's the stuff. And so they take off their, they take off all their, their raincoats and galoshes and you know, uh, waiters and all that stuff. And all of a sudden they are nicer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Even though they still have slime all over their face. I was wondering that, like, isn't it like right in their pores? It's right there on their face, but because it's not in their clothes anymore, they are- 
<laughs> that's a good a less amount is on them or something i don't know but I'm that's just, a good point all over yeah your face. the only the only, where they, the only part where they had actual skin contact <laughs> yeah and that part stayed on <laughs> <laughs> that is a good point but i guess they're not as covered in it yeah i don't know maybe just like yeah. a mass amount onto on you like around you <laughs> but it is kind of funny because like in the first one you know they, I mean, there's always seems to be, I guess the running gag is that if you're a Ghostbuster, you're going to be slimed at some point. So like in the right. first one, you know, Peter gets slimed by Slimer when they go to, to that hotel to, to clear it out. And then later on with the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man, you know, and this is like one of my favorite bits where like everybody is like just covered in all this marshmallow goop. And Peter just has like the tiniest bit like <laughs> on his head, <laughs> you know, like a little bit on his shoulder, you know, yeah. he's, and I can just see Bill Murray being like, no, don't don't cover me in that stuff. You know, yeah, I've already been slimed. It. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, now they're all slimed. They go to the restaurant to try to get Peter, you know, to tell him what's happening. And they're causing such a commotion that the owner has them, you know, has the cops called. So they demand to be taken to the mayor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is anyone who trespasses on a restaurant, you have the option to meet with the mayor. It's your legal right. Uh, I don't know. It could be in New York. You, you guys are going to have to tell me about that. I don't oh, know. man. I haven't been inside a restaurant in, since March, so I don't know. <laughs> they might have, the laws might have changed. Yeah, yeah it could have changed by now. No, I, I got you. Uh, yeah, but I guess they have, at this point, enough clout that they could do that. Yeah, you know. they know the mayor. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Lenny. Uh, but it's the same mayor from the first one. And so in the first one, you know, they meet him to kind of tell him about what's going to happen and they convince him to help them out. In this case, when they meet the mayor, he's like, you know, they say, look, there's all this bad stuff. And you're right. This is where Winston's point of view is like the best. And he's like, all the sludge, you know, all the, the bad vibes, everything's collected into the sludge, you know? Mm-hmm. And so he tells him, the mayor basically tells him, you know, Hey, you know, we're, you're a New Yorker. And if you want to be rude and, you know, mean and whatever, that's, that's your, your God given right. And, you know, and so like too bad. So then of course the assistant, what is it? Deputy mayor. Is that what this is called? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. The deputy mayor is like, you know, Hey, would you consider talking to some guys downtown about this? And of course they think they're thinking like cops and that he's on their side, but instead really it's a, a psychiatric ward. So he has them committed <laughs> and everything all hell breaks loose. There's even more ghosts. Now they're running rampant because there's nobody to bust them. Mm-hmm. And uh, meanwhile, Dana's child is kidnapped by Janos, who this was one of the scariest parts to me. He's dressed mm-hmm. like a nanny. Yeah, it's <laughs> so a, weird. With a, a spectral like crib. And he like floats. He comes to the window yeah. and like his arm just stretches and grabs you know, Oscar, who somehow has climbed onto the ledge, like out the window onto the ledge. I don't know how that happened. I mean, it's got to be just some sort of like Vigo thing, right? Like he's just controlling know. him. It seems like Oscar this did kid a lot doesn't more walk. Work. Like he, he was way more, way more excited about the opportunity going to hang out with Vigo. Yeah, to like but... walk out <laughs> onto, and it was so awkward to see him kind of standing on, on like the, the ledge. Yeah, but oh, the kid I obviously know. doesn't walk oh. yet, so it wasn't him walking. It had to have been, he was controlled of some sort. But I don't, I don't know. know. I'd love to know the inspiration behind Janusz and the elf. Like, why was he a nanny? Why did he have, the, like, what was the inspiration? <laughs> yeah, you have to assume at some point, like, he, like, kind of, like, conjured that, like, that, like, uh, look to go get it. Like, why would you be, like, a, a female nanny? I, I mean, I, I don't want to assume, but I'm, I'm sorry. But like, why would you? Why would you want to be a female nanny? Why would you? And just be like, like why a, can't a just be Yanush? Because yeah. it's obvious that it's you. <laughs> You're not tricking anybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like trying to be in disguise. Like, hey, right. guess what? <laughs> that's what it seems like. And it's like that's not a very good disguise. She immediately went in and said, Yanush yes. took it to the museum. <laughs> <laughs> but I, like, already knows. But I love it how when she gets home, uh, and I kind of skipped over this because. Lewis and Janine uh, Janine from uh, you know the the secretary Janine Melnitz that was her name who mm-hmm. later on becomes a Ghostbuster as well Janine Melnitz you know and Lewis are babysitting and of course when she gets home because Peter has been arrested they've been uh, <laughs> they've been making out which I think was hilarious <laughs> so good I like how casual it was about the saying he was arrested too when Dana was like. Uh, oh, where's Peter? Oh, he was arrested again. <laughs> That's yeah, it. Yeah, like, it was known like, like typical. Right. <laughs> typical. 
It's so good. <laughs> they get arrested constantly. <laughs> and so they take them, Janos takes Oscar to the museum. And so Dana follows and immediately the whole museum is encased in slime. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So it's like a thick, as soon as she walks in impenetrable shell. And she's kind of placed like behind some, I don't know, bars or something. Yeah, some it's, weird bars that were in the museum. Yeah, for some, reason. some strange cages. Maybe they, it, that's what holds the artwork that they're working on at the end of the day. Could be. I don't know. I don't know, I don't guys. Know. <laughs> that's anyway, my guess. So, <laughs> it looked pretty, I guess. It, it did. <laughs> it, was gold, yeah. it was nice. <laughs> so the mayor, you know, he's like, okay, things are going crazy here. And so, you know, where are the Ghostbusters? And he's like, well, I had them committed, <laughs> the deputy mayor. And he's like, you what? So he kind of fires him and they he saves the Ghostbusters. They get their, their gear and they, they head to the museum and they start shooting it with their, their proton packs and it has like zero effect. And they realize that it's because they need like a symbol, like there's so much bad vibes in it. And here's where you're right. It's like very Christmassy at this point because like mm-hmm. all the bad vibes – you know, there's just too much. They need something goodwill and men, stuff like that, you know, <laughs> goodwill towards men, not goodwill and men. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I don't know, maybe some New Yorkers do need goodwill and men. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so they, uh, they, they, they need some more goodwill. So they, they notice on their license plate, a little picture of the Statue of Liberty. And they're like, that's the symbol that we can all rally behind. So they go, they get their, their goop that they've kind of given positive vibes to by you know, singing to it and playing nice music and saying nice, positive, reinforcing things. So now it's it's like positive slime. And so they slime the entire inside of the Statue of Liberty. Okay, whatever. I don't know. I've never been, but yikes. So uh, Yeah, a lot of slime, most likely. It seems yeah, like that's that'd a ton a of slime. Yeah. <laughs> and then they, they wire the system so that they can play, uh, <laughs> they can play some, um, um, oh gosh, Jackie Wilson. Mm-hmm. and it causes the it causes the tower to the tower it causes the the statue to move and so they walk the tower which by the way they're controlling with like a, a nintendo joystick i thought was yeah. awesome. no, it's so good of course and then they got the Walkman. i love it I how, love would, how... how would they be controlling it are they like just like pumping <laughs> music into like the left leg and then it, it moves know. and then pump music into their i wondered I no that idea. myself i have no idea but just the fact that they were using a nintendo you know, yeah. controller made it like ridiculously awesome and how they didn't step on anybody besides one police car is the only thing that got like oh, yeah. Oops, sorry. <laughs> destroyed yeah that's <laughs> it's terrifying like they, they can't hear you from up there ray sorry yeah. <laughs> they all started to talk to people up there yeah. like sing along everybody and then yeah. like peter says that like you guys nobody can hear you <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because it's it really does mirror it's like the opposite of the first movie so in that first movie you know it was a stay puffed marshmallow man and you know he's like this big giant thing but he's evil and so now in this one there's a big giant statue but it's good you know it's like like the two little giants walking wading through the the city right <laughs> of course there's that, <laughs> there's that bit in the first movie where they're talking about stay puffed and they're not really having an effect or they don't know what to do and he's like i think we're going about this all wrong you know he's a sailor he's in new york you know we get him some girls <laughs> and <laughs> he's he'll be good <laughs> But yeah, so in this case, you know, they, they mirror that by saying it kind of makes you wonder, wonder what, whether she's naked under that toga. <laughs> she's French. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they use the Statue of Liberty. And oh, and by the way, at this time, Louis Tully, the accountant slash lawyer, has gotten himself a proton pack and a Ghostbuster jumpsuit and has <laughs> taken the bus driven by Slimer all the way to to the museum and then he starts to shoot the slime and everybody of course thinks that uh that he saves the day at the end when the ghostbusters break the statue and go in and have their battle and win uh so they think that actually lewis is the one responsible you know and they kind of pat him on the back and stuff which i thought was a great bit but uh, i love it I think one of my other favorite Lewis lines was when Slimer did open the the bus door and it's you. And then he just kind of waves him in and he goes, okay, I didn't know you had your license. (laughs) (laughs) He's so, I can't, he was so good in this movie. It's so good. Oh man. And it's funny because it's the same character 
from the first one, but because he comes out more and, and I think he has more to do and, and he can really develop the character a little bit more. Cause mm-hmm. in the first one, he's really just an accountant that kind of has a thing for Dana and yeah. he, he invites her to the party and uh, he locks himself out the door, you know, uh, out of the party kind of a thing. And I mean, there's just, there's a very, a lot of, uh, at, and at his party is really funny. He's introducing everybody by like, their tax stuff. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he, he invited all of his clients. All his clients. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's why I invited oh, he, clients instead of <laughs> friends. He mentioned that in um in this one too. What was it? Oh, when he met Janine on the street and she was saying, do you want to come babysit with me? And she said, you know, she'll be at Peter's and he, she walks away and he goes, okay, well, I guess I can look at his W2 to find his address. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just these like classic, I don't know. Every line of his was just gold. <laughs> well, even when and even when he's, you know, about to ask her out before she tells him that she's babysitting, he's like, Do you want to maybe nope, 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 nope. Said, <laughs> yeah. um, do you maybe want to get some or I forgot what he says, have food with me or something, or eat some dinner with me or something. He says are really awkward, but <laughs> it's so great. He's so good. Oh man. But I do love I think while he really shined in this movie, and you're right, he totally stole the movie. And critics thought so as well, which I thought was really cool. But in the first one, I really loved when he's like running, you know, so it's it's at his party and he's like, you know, all right, who brought the dog? And so he <laughs> opens the door and of course it's that demon dog thing from Gozer. And so it starts chasing him because apparently he is the key master. Or, you know, he's mm-hmm. the one that destined to become the key master. And so it's chasing him and chasing him. And he goes up to that window and, you know, that rest fancy restaurant with the glass windows. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know where that is, but it's tavern on the green. Yeah. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you ever work there? No, I didn't work there. It's, it's fairly fancy, I guess. I mean, it would have been too hard to commute there. So I wouldn't want, I wouldn't have wanted to work. There. <laughs> yeah. I gotcha. it's in the Central park. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I gotcha. I, I mean, I really don't. I've never been to New York, so I have no idea. But <laughs> but I'll take your word for it. But you know Central Park. That's I a, do know Central you know, Park. I assume go. it's kind of central. There you go. So. Yeah, it's right <laughs> in the center. That. Dana's yeah. apartment is real close in proximity to where Tavern on the Green would be. So that kind of checks out. Yeah. Oh, in the first one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The, the building? One. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Spook Central. Spook Central, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, which kind of makes me wonder where is her new apartment? Like, did she? Oh, if if only there was a podcast that you could listen to after this. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I see a theme here. <laughs> <laughs> For more details, check out. <laughs> yeah, so I can't wait to to learn about that. But yeah, so Tully he gets there, he starts doing his thing. The Ghostbusters have the Statue of Liberty break into the museum. They kind of smash their way in. And immediately Vigo, who at this point, because it's almost time for his soul to to enter Oscar, at this point he immediately starts to like really just destroy them. They're <laughs> they're, yeah. they're they don't match up at all, which is kind of kind of terrible for them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's one of those things. And so the only reason they kind of win is because they can hear the people singing and so that Mm -hmm. weakens him the good vibes like weaken him enough that he kind of starts doing this weird phasing in and out of reality crazy neck move too yeah he does yeah Yeah, like it it was really surprised how much range he had as an actor like that's i mean like obviously it's not like too complicated but like it's an interesting choice to like really like jar himself with the left and the right like it it felt very realistic (laughs) yeah it did it really did so they kind of, you know, they hide Oscar and, and in the end they like slime, you know, they start sliming him and getting their, their, uh, not crossing the streams, but they shoot their, you know, their, their, their proton packs at him as well. So they managed to get him to, I don't know, back off enough, but then he's like back in the painting, they're going to destroy the painting. And then he, that moment that we talked about earlier, he, where he's like zapped Ray, he's like back. And mm-hmm. so now he's kind of inside Ray and the makeup that they use on, on uh, Dan Aykroyd was crazy. Looks also very scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, I think scary. that was one of the scariest bits there. Yeah. He had like sure. horns or something too. Like he had like some strange, like, yeah, he had some, yeah. some sort of protrusions there. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, they're like Ray, of course they're yelling at him. He's like, no, I Ray am Vigo. And then, of course, uh, they're like slime him, and so, <laughs> so they just they just shoot him with all the goop, him and Janos and everybody, and uh, and the painting, and then he's there, and they're just 
hitting the painting with the the slime and everything and uh eventually it kind of just everybody's okay and that's when you see the slime on the museum just kind of Mm-hmm. I mean, it's weird. It like evaporates or something. Yeah, it goes like up in the air. Up just, in the yeah, yeah that was it, like, like breaks apart choice. too. Like it doesn't. It looks like it hardened and like broken up and dissolved. It was just. I don't. I don't see slime doing that. <laughs> We've well, never no, seen like no. ghost slime before. Maybe you? it's ghost slime. You're right. That is true. Yeah, yeah. Went back into the you know the e thing. <laughs> well, it's it's just yeah. I I think they just didn't want to copy the first one, you know, so in the first mm. one, when they destroy the marshmallow man, like it's, it's literally like marshmallow stuff all over the place. Right. And you know, there's like, like gallons of that marshmallow stuff is just, just dropping on, <laughs> on right. uh, William Atherton and, you know, uh, Walter Peck anyway. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, you just, I, I think they didn't want to do that again with the slime. If I had to guess. I'm sure it's, a, that was a big part of the budget. <laughs> so I, I feel like, uh, it probably a lot easier just to make it disappear yeah, just have, it have up to into have the everywhere. air and not on the ground <laughs> yeah then that's a lot exactly of, um, yeah it's, it's just, it's just a lot of production work that goes away <laughs> yeah so i i assume yeah that, that's probably the reason i don't know but anyway it goes away a new painting is revealed underneath the other one and it is the four ghostbusters which i thought was odd but kind of funny at the same time yeah and, and everybody mm-hmm. lives happily ever after basically yeah but I, I have to ask, which one did you think was scarier? Did you, was it Gozer or Vigo? Vigo. Vigo, absolutely. 100%. That's the scariest painting ever. <laughs> yeah. There's so many like crazy visuals associated with Vigo. Like Gozer, was, like she, she was, or it was, uh, they were whatever. It, they were um, scary, but like, it's kind of like more of like a, like an elegant kind of like, just like, I don't know. It wasn't so like terrifying. Yeah. She Vigo looked kind of like a goddess type of. Yeah like ethereal like, like, it, like it wouldn't even like be like much of an effort for her just to like make you disintegrate or something right like it's like she seemed like that much more powerful right yeah vigo is yeah he's just terrifying <laughs> thank you yeah the, those eyes are intense the whole deal the whole deal that guy is terrifying imagine yeah. living next to him <laughs> 16th century carpathian huh yeah <laughs> oh man yeah See, I kind of, I kind of think Gozer's a little scarier. Oh yeah. Not, I mean, not power wise. Just like her look. Hmm. You know, her eyes. Something about her eyes. It was those contacts that that she had in. I think that that. I mean, of course, when I saw it, I was four. So, uh, you know, I mean, good call. That, that right. kind of that did it. So I think that's why. I, she could have looked like like one of your mom's friends or something that might might have yelled at you one time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, in the jumpsuit and everything. You know, it was the eighties. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> After aerobics class. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For real. Yeah. Don't drink in my car. <laughs> <laughs> if you spill anything, I'll get you. Mom's friends are mean. <laughs> With a cigarette in her hand, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was just it was one of those for sure but either way i was terrified of both of them uh i think vigo yeah he had a lot of moments you're right that was very uh just powerful and and i mean he seemed to do a lot and yeah. like a lot more than she did he was just like angry yeah the yeah. anger is a big part of it too with his facial expressions you know he had that scowl. it was like a permanent scowl you know yeah you know, you know so be it you know right Wife to you and mother to me. Oh. <laughs> so course, gross, right? <laughs> so it's like, do I call you son? <laughs> yeah, there are right. many perks of being the, the mother of the ruler of the world. <laughs> I can't do it. It's a terrible accent, but <laughs> I thought you nailed it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so I do have to ask though, what would you guys say? Uh, if you could, would be your hap hap happiest memory of this movie, mm. or moment if you can't think of a memory. Yeah, let's see. I mean, it just brings back being a kid all over. I don't know if I can specify the exact moment or time, but I can feel the feeling of it. You know, you watch it, and I can feel what it felt like when I was that young. You know, I was yeah. I was about um, what, seven, so you know, it was a pretty prime age for you know i was really kind of just understanding things so i think that it kind of hit me there you know one of the movies that you can actually go to and understand and um 
yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think I saw it in the theater as well. And uh, I was just a big fan. I loved the first Ghostbusters too. I was obsessed with the song when I was a kid. I just, uh, I was a huge fan. So it just brings me back home. I think, I mean, I absolutely love the movies. My dad was a firefighter for a few years before we moved to Miami. And so I don't remember it necessarily, but I've seen like pictures of me like in the firehouse and like that was, they were always kind of up in the house. So that was something that like I could kind of relate to like being like in that kind of environment. And like, like you could smell like what like that, like a firehouse smells like it's a very specific, like kind of like soot smell. So I feel like I, that, I remind, that reminds me of that. Also, my dad was a, was a really big fan. I remember he had like a, he was a police officer after he was a, a firefighter. And one of his, like, he had like a metal clipboard that he kept in his police car, but he had this like big um, Ghostbusters decal right smack on the, on the, on the clipboard. So I know he nice. was a fan for a long time. So yeah, it, it just brings back all kinds of fun memories. I'm sure I saw it in the theater. 89. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I obviously I didn't see the first one, but two, I'm sure I did. I, I, remember, I remember seeing Batman in the theater. And so that would have been like the same summer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For me, uh, I remember it was, uh, I was taking a karate class <laughs> and my cousin had already seen the movie and he was like explaining to me and everything about how Tully becomes like a fifth Ghostbuster. And of course, you know, we were nine, so he was telling it like all wrong, but you know, <laughs> I mean, I'll never forget just standing there and, and my cousin Trey just telling me everything. And I was like, Whoa, you know? So to me, that's like the happiest memory that I associate with this movie other than actually seeing it with my family. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a fun, it was a good one, but it does bring me to my next segment, which is my favorite part of the show. A little thing I like to call gag me with the spoon. So this is where we do our best impression of our least favorite part. As a guest, I'll let you guys go first. Just kind of set up what you want to do, and uh, we'll go from there. Sure. Yeah, this scene seems very appropriate to us. Yeah. We're yeah we're we're doing a little bit of a back and forth. Nice. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we we did it last time with Scrooge, so we figured we'd do the same thing with this one. So yeah, yeah. right on. I'll start with uh, Dana. Did you see some shirts here on the floorboard area? Yeah, I, I put them in the hamper. I have a hamper. <laughs> That hits home to us, so we decided. <laughs> uh, that's very, yeah, that definitely hits home for sure. <laughs> I have more than, what did I say? I have uh, set more than two. <laughs> I can't yeah, like think. levels of like. <laughs> more than two levels of clean. It's, it's not just yeah. dirty and clean. <laughs> hang subtle outside. layers. <laughs> Hanging outside for 20 minutes, good as new. <laughs> we all have our techniques, you know. <laughs> Uh, that was good. So for me, it was uh, when they're, they go to the museum and they're, you know, Dana's not there. They're investigating the painting and Janos is, uh, you know, Dr. Wankman, you know, and he says that Dana's not here. And he's like, yeah, I know that. And so they, this is the line. Janos says, so why are you came? <laughs> it's just ridiculous. <laughs> oh, that's really good. Oh, man. It's- yeah. That's, that's, anyway, uh, but now I will leave it to you listeners to uh, vote and you guys can uh, choose um, which Chris <laughs> had the better one. Because I know it's not me. I still haven't won yet. So more than likely. I don't know. That accent, though, you might have pulled through. That's yeah. very good. <laughs> I'd be happy to concede to that. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but that does bring me to the next point, and it's something that I always ask because I'm still trying to find the right answer. You know, G.I. Joe, they taught us that knowing is half the battle. What do you think is the other half? The other half is the positivity and yeah. love. Positive vibes. Positive vibes positive, all the way. Positive That's energy the other half. will overcome everything. Mm-hmm. Even the evilest of evil ruler of the world, positivity will, re- will fix everything. Yeah, that's pretty good. There you go. Yeah, right on. <laughs> <laughs> Sending good vibes. Uh, just change your Facebook status every, all the time. Just <laughs> <laughs> A little bit of slime under the subway systems would help too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's better than mine. Mine was, uh, so if knowing is half the battle, the other half is scrubbing down an evil painting so that you can reveal the secret prophetic hero painting underneath. Yes, That's that painting is good too. <laughs> That's the painting that should be hanging up in our kids' room. <laughs> oh man! So normally at this point, 
I ask what you guys want to plug and I'm going to let you plug your show. But before we do that, I want to say that I've had a lot of fun and I really can't wait to hear the second part because I'm excited to learn all of the stuff. Uh, I, I don't, you know, as I've said, I don't know anything about New York. Uh, I've been there. The only thing I really know is stuff that my brothers told me and stuff from your podcast. So I'm very excited to learn all the stuff about New York. And so on that note, why don't you tell us about your show? We have a podcast called Christmas Time in the City. You can find it wherever you find podcasts. We're also on social media and you can find us the same way. Um, we're just available everywhere. Uh, we, we talk about the traditions of the holidays in New York City, not just Christmas, but mo- mostly Christmas. We also will delve into other things throughout the year. We're going to be touching on Thanksgiving, and we're doing an episode very soon about uh, Halloween, especially this year. Halloween's going to be much different, so we're going to be covering a lot of that stuff. So you can you can find all kinds of stuff about like Rockefeller Center Christmas tree and ice skating and just all fun New York stuff and yeah, we yeah. we have a lot of fun covering it. We're we're happy to be here to live in New York City during the holidays. So we wanted to share as much of that as we can. So that's why we do it. Absolutely. We bring everybody to New York City during the holidays, especially now that you can't come. <laughs> yeah. You have to wait 14 days before you do anything. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we'll tell you all about it. And then hopefully next year, people will be able to come and experience it themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my wife's been one, and and that's really awesome. Uh, my wife's been wanting to go for years now, and we just, you know, with kids and work and stuff, it was just one of those can't quite make it. But uh, mm-hmm. you never know. Hopefully, we'll get a chance because I actually, uh, yeah, I would like to experience it. You guys make it sound so fun. And uh, where can they find you? We are on Instagram and Facebook at Christmas Time in the City Podcast. We have a website, Christmas Time in the City dot com. We snagged that, so that's a pretty big deal. <laughs> Um, we have two interactive maps on there where you can see all the cool, like iconic Christmas locations and also a map of all the, um, Christmas sort of, uh, movie locations, uh, filming stuff. Uh, yeah. And we also have like show notes and fun articles we'll post there. And then as the year goes on, we're going to do more like YouTube videos. And so we'll have all kinds of content on the website. We also have a YouTube, so you can look at that right now. All we're doing is just putting our podcast on there, but we'll be putting more uh, videos soon. Right on. Very cool. And on that note, let me say thank you one more time. Check out the the sister show here because it's going to be an amazing episode and I can't wait to hear it. And I'm going to say, hey man, let me tell you something. I love you. Yes? Well, I love you too. So check us out on our social media pages, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you're feeling like Ray, covered in good vibes goop, leave us a review on iTunes. Not only does it help us reach more people, but you also get a free sticker. Now don't forget to vote. Later, dudes. Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Chris. We're a married couple living in New York City. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably love Christmas just as much as we do. In our podcast, Christmas Time in the City, we talk about the history and traditions of the holidays in New York City. The Rockefeller Center Christmas Tree, Caroling in Washington Square Park, New Year's Eve in Times Square, the classic Christmas movies filmed here, we cover it all. In Listener Mail, we answer questions from listeners like you that may be planning a trip or maybe just curious about us. And in Christmas Confidential, we read anonymous listener-submitted Christmas confessions to help people finally get their deepest Yuletide secrets off their chest. So subscribe now wherever you listen to podcasts, and we'll talk to you soon. Unless you don't want to, then just forget about it. Really? What, too much? (laughs) No, it's fine.